0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. So good to see you. So glad that you're here. Hope you had a great week and a great weekend. Let me quickly uh, reiterate what you heard from Cindy already. want to say welcome to our VIPs, first-time guests in the room and online. Make some room. For make some room. Make some room. There's still people coming. <laughs> make some noise. We want to also extend that applause for our BT Online family. So glad to have BT Online tuned in wherever you're watching from. And then, saving best for last, make sure you make lots of noise for all the BT moms today. So thankful for all the moms. Life truly would not be the same without you. Hope that you have a great day, that you're taken care of and spoiled and all those good things, and if that doesn't happen, I I don't know what to tell you, but uh, (laughs) that's the end of that one, so... (laughs) um, If we haven't had the privilege of meeting, my name is Chris, I have the honor of serving as senior pastor at BT Church, and I have the privilege to take us into God's Word today. So if you have your Bible, physical or digital, why don't you meet me in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3 of the Old Testament, as we continue our Next Is Now series. As you turn there or pull it up on your smart device, let's celebrate a few things. We believe in a culture of celebration here at BT Church, and so here are some things that are completely worth celebrating. So far this year, uh, 149 people have said yes to Jesus, trusting Him as the Savior of their life. (laughs) 76 people have gone public with that decision through believer's baptism. 76, we had one person do it at our last service. We had two people accept Christ at the 9 a.m. service here in McAllen. Um, and, and, And we celebrate those 76 people going forward with believer's baptism, and you've heard me say this before probably, we, we intentionally use the phrase believer's baptism because we believe only believers should be baptized. Um, baptism does not make someone a Christian or make them saved or whatever religious phrase you want to use. Baptism does not provide your access to eternal life. It demonstrates that's been provided because you've placed your faith in Jesus And you've been saved by grace. And so we think baptism is a big deal. We believe it's a step of obedience. We believe that it it is a uh, a step that unlocks the joy of our salvation. um, But we don't believe it provides salvation. So we, we celebrate what God has done. But listen to this. Of those numbers, in the past three weeks, in the past three weeks, of those 149 people that have trusted Christ as Savior, over 50 have made that decision in the last three weeks alone. Of the 76 that have been baptized, 49 of the 76 have been baptized these last three weeks alone. And so I I don't say that because, hey, we're the best and we've got something figured out. Uh, it, It is God graciously moving and letting us be a part of that. Uh, but, but I hope some of you, you, you're new to BT, or maybe BT is the only church you know, and, and you only know BT in these recent years, and, and we celebrate this mighty move of God, and, 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 and we, we make much of God, right, not what He's doing, it's because of Him. But I want you to know that this isn't normal, um, what we're getting to experience, and, and so let, let me do a really, really quick history lesson of the last several years in the life of our church, and, and stay with me, because I'm going to make a point, all right, so... In 2017, we felt the Lord was moving us to go from a church in one location here in McAllen, 2001 Trenton Road, to become a church in multiple locations. The church world, we call it multi-site, and so we opened the Land Campus January 1st of 2017, and praise God, for the past five years, we've seen him move and change lives, and and, and we believe that God wants to transform South Texas, and we believe he's going to do, as he does that, he'll change the world, and so now we have the Online ministry as well, where people watch from beyond the the uh, geographical area of South Texas. But but when it comes to our physical campuses, we've kind of locked in right now in, in in South Texas. In 2018, we were able to merge with Edinburgh Gospel Church, and that is now our Edinburgh campus of BT Church. We also in 2018 were able to launch our Alice campus, which today is uh, arguably the largest Protestant church in Alice, seeing lives change almost on a weekly basis, and so we celebrate that. And, and then this year, we're, we're, we're in the early stages of trying to launch a work in Corpus Christi. Uh, we have services every first and last Sunday of the month. And uh, we have a community group that's meeting, and as we continue to build traction, we, we believe the Lord will allow us to launch that into a full, uh, full-fledged campus gathering every week. By the way, last week was the first Sunday of the month, and someone in Corpus Christi gave their life to Jesus last week, trusting Him as Savior. Some people have asked, well, what's the plan? Like how many, cam- I, we don't have a, uh, we, we got a plan, it's called the Great Commission, right? But, but we don't have a number, well, what's what, you know, because if Corpus gets launched, that would be five physical campuses meeting in our online campus. Is the goal six? Is it 10? I, I, I don't know. We want to faithfully walk through every door the Lord will allow us to walk through to see revival in South Texas and the world change. And so that's, that's the plan. Uh, Of course, we want to be wise every time a campus opens. There's resource commitment financially and people resources. And and by the way, I just want to say this. I I admit the fact that probably if we had less campuses, there could be uh, maybe more money stored up in the bank. And and we want to be wise. We have reserve accounts. But I'm also more interested in souls in the kingdom than money in the bank. So that's just a reality. But I say all that to say that uh, several months back, uh, First Christian Church of Kingsville Uh, their interim pastor, so if you're not familiar with church lingo, an interim pastor is someone who's serving as pastor when there's not a full-time pastor. So the interim pastor, who by the way has been serving in that role for three years, that's a long interim, um, through through a long story that I won't bore you with all the details, he got connected with our Alice campus pastor, and, and they began to Kind of you know, communicate online. And so then this interim pastor named Dale Berry, he, he uh, Facebook stalked us because that's what you do in 2022, right? Uh, and, and so he kind of looked up BT and what are we about? And that led to myself and Louie and Nick traveling to Kingsville to have a meeting and just talk about uh, ba- basically First Christian Church, Kingsville, about 25 to 30 people, predominantly senior adults, and, and the reality of their continued sustainability and viability w- is, is in question. And so they're trying to figure out how can we faithfully um, allow these resources that is that physical building, been there for 100 years, that location, how can we continue to, to let ministry happen here? So conversations were had, and I met with their, uh, th- there's about 25 or so people in the church, and they have a small group in there that's kind of their leadership board, if you will, and talked with them. Several of us preached on Sundays, filling in for Dale at different times. And, and I say all that to say that on April 24th, the Sunday after Easter, First Christian Church of Kingsville voted and in a 28 to 1 vote, they decided to give us their property. And so BT Church now owns <laughs> um, property in Kingsville. And uh, by the way, any time someone wants to give us a building, we think that's part of God's plan for, a, you know, like, you know, usually you got to buy those things. Um, and so let me just since, since I, I shared that news with you, I want to ask you to pray for us. We, the, the, the plan is getting figured out um, Dale will continue to preach. He's actually preaching today, Joshua 3. He's joining us in sermon prep now. They'll continue to meet, and it's and, and we've told him it's kind of a weird weird season because it's not First Christian Church Kingsville any longer, but it's not quite yet fully BT because uh, Dale uh, feels that he's not called to serve as campus pastor, and so uh, he drives in from Corpus every Sunday. So we're, we're going to figure out God needs to raise somebody up, and we want to do some outreach. One of the things the church, one of the reasons the church decided to make this decision is is while it's a predominantly senior adult congregation, they want to reach the young families of Kingsville. There's a uh, young family population there. There's a university with 10,000 college students. Uh, And so we want to be a part of that work. And so uh, we're praying that by the end of this year, we could officially launch out there, but it's ultimately God's timing. So I share that because it's exciting news. And it's crazy to think that by this time next year, BT could be meeting in six physical places across the coastal bend of Rio Grande Valley. That's (laughs) mind-blowing, but not to God. But I say all that to say this. Going back to what I've been talking about about God moving in our midst and that that this year, this year, just talking about baptisms, 76 people have been baptized. I don't have the exact number, but I promise you that if we went over the past 36 months, the past 36 months, I bet over 500 people have been baptized. This past week, uh, Dale joined us for our staff meeting and as we were celebrating what God's doing, I wanted to make a point for our staff so that, that, that we would know this isn't normal. And Dale served as the interim pastor of First Christian Church, Kingsville, for three years. And I asked him, Dale, how many baptisms has the church had in, in three years? One. Now listen, listen, one is worth celebrating. Every one is worth celebrating. The only reason why I share that is, is please, if this is what you know, uh, I hope it goes on for as long as we're around, right? But never take the moment for granted that you are getting to see God do a mighty work among us and in South Texas and across the world. And so we pray the revival would continue, but we also recognize how blessed we are to be in the midst of it. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. The series, again, is entitled Next is Now. If you've missed a, a, one of the sermons, you can catch it online. But the premise of the series is that so many times we want God to be in our next, right? We want God to be in, in our marriage. We're single, we want to be in our marriage. We don't have kids, we want him to be when we have kids. We want him to be whenever we get that full-time job. We, we want him to bless what's next, but many times we're not willing to be faithful now. And so it's like when I get to that season, I really want God to show up, but right now, you know, I, I, I kind of need to take care of my own things. And, and the reality is, is that for God to be in our next, He's got to be invited into our now. We've got to trust Him now so that we will have the process of trusting Him when the next comes. In the history of the nation of Israel, what's happening in their life, this group of people that was freed from slavery in Egypt and uh, under the leadership of Moses, right, uh, they were led out of slavery, and then they ended up wandering in a wilderness for 40 years, and, and then they were coming up to their next. The, the, the deliverance of the promised land that was not made to Moses, but to a guy named Abraham hundreds of years before that. And so they're going to be going into the next. They've got a new leader. Moses has died. That's the beginning of Joshua. Joshua is now the leader. Lots of change, lots of transition, right? Sometimes circumstances and seasons are changing rapidly around us, and we want to know, how do we stay faithful now? How do I trust God now? Much less, how do I trust him in the next? And, and today, as we look at, J- at Joshua chapter 3, we're going to look at uh, the nation of Israel actually crossing over the Jordan River and, and getting ready for the conquest of the promised land that God had given them. And, and what we're going to see today, kind of the, the, the real thrust of the sermon is is part of next is now is moving when God moves. It, it's, it's being in rhythm, right? It's being in rhythm and it's being in sync with, with God when he moves and where he moves. And so let's jump into the text here, Joshua chapter 3. Let's look at the first four verses together as we talk about what does it mean to move with God. Joshua chapter 3 verse 1 says this, Joshua started... Early the next morning and left the acacia grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. If you have a physical copy of God's word, why don't you underline the word stayed? After three days, you might underline three days as well. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a 1,000 yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go for you haven't traveled this way before. Let me just say this early on in the sermon. If your desire is a comfortable life, following Jesus is going to be not your cup of tea. He provides comfort, absolutely, but he does not ask us to live a comfortable life. I love that here the Lord is telling Joshua, hey, tell the people to get ready. When they, when they go, they're going to follow the ark, but stay back a little bit. they got to be able to see where it's going because where we're going, they've never been. So, so how, do we, how do we move with God? First thing I want you to write down is wait. Doesn't seem to make sense, right? Move? Wait, how do those two work together? But many times, faithfully moving with God is connected to how well we wait on him. We want to move, we want to get to the next, but how are we doing in the now? Notice what happens here in these first few verses. Joshua starts early in the morning, gets the, the Israelites together. They begin to move, but then they stayed at the banks of the Jordan, they set up camp, it says in verse 2, for three days. What's going on here? Now, we're going to talk about this in a moment. Verse 15 of chapter 3 gives us this little kind of parenthetical side note that, that this was the harvest season. And during the harvest season, the Jordan River was actually overflowing. It was, its banks expanded, and and the the flow rate, right? It was it was not a a lazy river. This was a raging river this time of year. And so God calls the nation of Israel to, to travel to the Jordan, but then calls them to stop on the banks of the Jordan. What is going on there? I believe that part of the logic, part of what was happening is God gave the Israelites just enough time to stay on the bank of the Jordan to recognize there was no way they could do it without him. For three days, they looked at this raging river. You couldn't cross it by foot. You couldn't swim across it. He doesn't have time to build an ark. For three days, they've got to take in the fact that if God doesn't provide, there's no way they're getting across So many times in our life, beloved, as we want to see God move and take us to what's next, he will call us to wait, which many of us are not good at, let's confess. He will call us to wait, and part of the waiting is so that we can reach that point where we know there is absolutely no way I can do this. Because the truth is, many of us in this culture, we think we can do more than we can, right? If you didn't say amen, you're lying to yourself. We pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. We can do it. I mean, I work hard and I got a work ethic. We think we can do more than we can. And it's great to have a good work ethic. Hear me. But to try to do things without the Lord that you can only do with the Lord is extremely dangerous. And many times in our spiritual lives, when we are seeking to move with God, he will take us to places and ask us to wait. And waiting is not inactive, by the way. In the waiting, we seek him in prayer and in the word, and we are waiting to see how he will show up because we know there's nothing we can do if he doesn't. Beloved, many times, many times, churches today are filled with shallow Christians because they don't allow the deepening of their faith in the waiting. We, we, we want what's next, and we want it now. We want it now. We want it now. We, we, I mean, we, we, we live in a generation and a time where everything is available right away just the way we want it. And because God doesn't waste anything, he doesn't waste our waiting. And many times it is in the waiting that our faith is deepening and God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. I, I tell this story often. Many of you are very familiar. You're tired of it. But, but as my wife and I were expecting our, our fourth child, there was a medical diagnosis that you know, was, was beyond Uh, uh, What our hearts could bear and I remember praying literally every day after we received the diagnosis that god would heal Our child in the womb because we were we went in weekly for these Sonograms and updates and I prayed every day that god would heal and we would show up for a sonogram And I would be almost kind of waiting to get that news and you know what happened I had to wait and 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 many times what we fail to understand is that what god is saying. No, he's saying yes to greater faith When God is saying no, he's saying yes to greater faith. And too many believers give up in the waiting when what God has on the other side is beyond what they could comprehend. Movement with God will include seasons of waiting because in the waiting, he is always working. In the waiting, he is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. And many times in the waiting, he's providing the instructions for what's next. I think part of the reason also why they camped for three days on the banks of the Jordan is they hadn't been told how they were crossing it yet. They, did, they didn't have the instructions yet. And, and and many times, if we don't wait on the Lord, we bypass the instructions that he has for us to get through what we're about to go through. Many times I think I think of God and I think of, of myself when, when my kids were, were younger, and I'd want to surprise them, and I would put like maybe a piece of candy in my hand when, when mom wasn't looking. And I'd be like, hey, you want some candy? And I'd say, I got some candy. And the, oh, give it to me, daddy, give it to me. i would like, okay, you want it? You want it? And then I would I'd do this, right? And you know, I could just be like, boop, there you go. But I'd go, you want it? What kind do you think it is? What do you think, huh? Can you tell yet? What do you see, right? And I just kind of, so many times I think that, that, that God, what he does, because he cares for us, don't miss it, because he cares for us, he has plans, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. And he calls us to be faithful. And then sometimes he says, hey, just wait, and let me show you what I've got for you. And God begins to reveal his will for us by unfolding one divine finger at a time. And don't miss this. He'll always show you what you need for the next step. And he'll keep hidden what you need to continue to trust him in the unseen. Say, oh, you don't know what to do? By the way, many times we don't take steps because we think that God hasn't shown us and He has. He just hasn't shown us all of it and we're not ready. Just enough to take a step. But enough covered to know that without him I can't do it. Just enough to take a step. Just enough to take a step. And Just enough to take a step. And just enough to take a step. You want to move with God, you got to wait on the Lord. Let's keep reading chapter 3, verse 5. Just this one verse, it says this, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. The New International Version, known as the NIV, translates verse 5 and says, Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do amazing things among you tomorrow. I like that. He's going to do amazing things among you tomorrow. You've got to wait on the Lord, but this one's going to sound weird. Let me explain it. But sometimes you've also got to be willing to go through a washing season with the Lord. Wash. Write down the word wash. This is, this is, this is why I, I use the word wash. To consecrate literally means to, to set aside for divine use, to mark as sacred, or to make set apart. Make sacred. And literally in this time in the nation of Israel, to consecrate, what would happen is they would wash their clothes. There was a washing of the outer garments. You're saying, Chris, do I need to do laundry? I can't answer that question. Your neighbor sitting next to you might could, but anyways. It, I'm not saying you need to go, go do laundry, it, but, it, but what we know is it wasn't simply a, a washing of the outside, but what, what was to be a part of that was a renewal of the inside. The consecration in the nation of Israel involved a, a ceremonial washing, yes, but it was representative of an inner renewal that God was doing something new. Do you see what's being said here? He says, Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord is going to do something special tomorrow. Get yourself ready today because God's got plans tomorrow. And so many times, so many times I believe this to be true. We feel like God isn't working and he's not moving and we're not seeing him do, you know, supernatural things. And it's actually not that he's not doing it. It's that we're not washing ourselves with the water of the word to see what he's doing. It has nothing to do with the fact that God is indeed not moving. It has to do with the fact that we're not preparing ourselves to see him move. If you want to get to the next, you got to wash yourself now with the the, the biblical phrase, the water of the word. This is the part where sermon goes on repeat and many of you check out and I'm okay with it. You, you, you choose to get into God's word. I'm going to say it every week. You get into God's word. You make a commitment. You make a plan. You get a friend. And you say, I'm going to get into God's word so God's word will get into me so I can consecrate myself. Because I believe God's got some amazing things set up for me for tomorrow. And so you you, you wash yourself. Paul would say it this way. The apostle Paul would write this to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he would say, therefore, I urge you, I beg you, old school King James, I beseech you, right? I I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice so that you you may be able to discern, to know God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. He would say, do not be conformed To the pattern of this world but be transformed by the what renewing of your mind that's consecration that's washing yourself with the water of the word he says don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind beloved here's the deal if you're looking more and more like the world then you are less and less aware of what the lord is doing and you are not washing yourself appropriately we are, listen, we are called to be in the world, yes, not of it. We do not have to adopt every fad and trend to think we got to make a difference. We need to not conform, we need to transform. I, I, I love cars, right? It's, my wife says it's a curse, I say it's a blessing, we're figuring that out, we're counseling, but anyways, if it's old and fast, even better, Right? So I enjoy car shows as well. It's, it's, a test, it's, it's a test of my faith. Can I resist the temptation, right? And, and so several years ago, I, I, I took my, my, my sons to a car show here in McAllen at the convention center. And so we, we go into the exhibit hall. And, th- I mean, it's just filled with amazing cars, right? And my kid they, they were young, so they couldn't, greatly, they, they couldn't truly appreciate what we were taking in. They're like, oh, that one's red. I was like, no, that's a 69 Chevelle Supersport. <laughs> red, please. It's got a 396, right? And so I'm trying to teach them the ways. But, but, but as we walked through, when we left, that somehow, I don't know if we, we came in a different, I don't know how we missed this, but when we left in the lobby, there was this display they had roped off. And, and when we walked out, there was a lot of people. And I walked in to look. They wanted to see, my kids wanted to see what it was. And it was a really ordinary car. I'm like, that's a Camry. I mean, if you drive a Camry, that's great. It's not a Chevelle. I mean, and and my kids are like, "What is it?" I was like, "I I, I don't know." Uh. But but then there was a there was a, there was a guy to the side, and he had this giant kind of remote control, and there was a computer over here, and they were controlling things. And then what began to happen is like some smoke started coming out from the car. I was like, "That's not a good sign." Um, but smoke started coming out from the side of it, and then the next thing I know, the hood of the car pops up, right, and then. A robot stands up, like ten feet tall. It 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 transformed the the car. You could say was more than meets the eye. <laughs> and everyone who doesn't know Transformers is like, what? So what what seemed to be a really mundane vehicle at a car show ended up stealing the show because, listen, the 69 Chevelle Supersport is pretty amazing, but it's not a robot, right? And so what ended up happening is the hundreds of cars on display that had great value, they really just kind of seemed to conform to each other once we knew there was a transformer in the lobby. All those cars really started to blend in. Once there was a car that was doing something the cars weren't supposed to do. Don't miss this. When Jesus comes in your life, you start doing things that you're not supposed to do without him. It changes things. And so Paul says, be transformed and today there are too many believers in too many churches that are missing the beauty and the purpose of the washing of ourselves. The time in the word, the time in prayer, the time in worship, the time in community. Because we don't understand how it benefits us. Bad mentality, by the way. But what we're missing is we're actually missing all the, way God, all the ways God is working around us because the lack of transformation is blinding us to the supernatural hand of God at work. We've got to wash ourselves in preparation for what the Lord has for us. Do not be conformed. Don't blend in. Be a, be, be a Camry that's a robot amongst a bunch of vets and Chevelles, all right? It, it's, it's a game changer. You've got to wash. Let's keep reading verse 6. And then he said to the priests, carry the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant And went ahead of them. And then they spoke to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan, then Joshua and the Israelites. Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all the people that are living in the land that they're going to get rid of. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan, here's that parenthetical note, now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. Translation. It's a dangerous river. But as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethon. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of Araba, the Dead Sea, completely was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. So, so we see Joshua... Lead the people to the banks of the Jordan where they would then wait. And they would come face to face with a task that without God they simply could not accomplish. And in the waiting, instruction was given to them. And then they were told, wash yourself, consecrate yourself, prepare yourself. Because the Lord's going to do amazing things among you tomorrow. You need to have the spiritual eyes to see what he's about to do. And now they begin to cross. And the instruction to the majority of the people is to watch. Watch. If you want to move with the Lord, you got to watch where he's going. you got to watch where he's going. The the instructions here in verses 6 through 16, Joshua says to all the people, listen, the priests are going to get the Ark of the Covenant. And let me just fill in the blanks in case you're not real familiar with that. Uh, Very, very dumbed-down version. The Ark of the Covenant was basically like a piece of furniture that was stored in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the mobile church. It would be replaced by the temple once they set up shop, so to speak. And the tabernacle and the temple, they had different courts or sections, if you will. And, and, and really, the, 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 the core area was called the most holy place or the holy of holies wasn't actually very large necessarily in comparison to the rest of the tabernacle and temple, but it was very special because in the most holy place, the Ark of the Covenant and some other things were kept, and it was the place that the presence of the Lord dwelt. One day a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would sacrifice to God on behalf of the people as a covering for sins. That's why in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is called the great high priest, and he doesn't sacrifice one day a year because he did it once for all on the cross, right? The ultimate sacrifice as the great high priest. So that's the Ark of the Covenant. Inside of it were the stone tablets, right? You know, the, the, the law, remember? Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, Prince Egypt, right? Anyway, th- th- there's some stuff in there, but what it represents is the f- is the visible instruction and presence of the Lord, okay? Just want to fill that in. So there were special ways that they carried it with some poles and went through some rings. So the priests are going to pick up the Ark of the Covenant, and they're going to step into the river, by the way. That, that's important to, n- to note. I'll, I'll talk more about that. And, and, and maybe, by the way, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, well, Chris? I did watch Prince of Egypt, and I don't understand what the big deal is because they had already crossed the Red Sea. This, pe- this group of people had not. That generation died in the wilderness due to lack of faith. Yes, Moses, God, through Moses, led some people across the Red Sea, but this group of people only heard about it. So they're told, hey, the ark is going to go before you, remember verse 4, because you're going places you've never been. You need to follow God. Anytime you're going places you've never been, following God's a good thing, by the way. So so keep a distance so you can see the ark and where it goes, and as it goes, as it moves, You move. As it moves, you move. You step in rhythm with that. So you've got to watch where the Lord is going. Beloved, many times when we're going to move with God, we've got to look to see where indeed he's working. You look to see where he's working, then you join him in it. You look for the evidence of his hand, and then you join him in it. You've got to watch but that's also not passive. That's an active reality. You're seeking the Lord as you're looking and seeking where it is that he is working. And so we, we, we watch and, and hear the, the, the priest. By, by the way, I don't know that that's the day that you want to get picked for priest duty, right? Hey, I want you to take the ark, right? And it's the heavy piece of And I want you to step into the raging river. Notice the difference. The Red Sea parted and then they went. The priests are told, get your feet wet free part of the sermon. Sometimes you really want to follow God, you got to get your feet wet. There's a lot, lot of believers standing on the banks of the Jordan. And it's not a matter whether or not God's going to part it. It's the question is, are you going to step in in faith? So, so, so you watch to see where the Lord is working. The Israelites were given the instruction to look to see what it is God was doing. But then we get to verse 17. And verse 17 tells us this. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. So, so what do we see in 17 verses? We, we see that the Joshua, by the Lord's leading, would take the people to the banks of the Jordan, that they would wait for three days to receive instruction so they would know exactly how God was going to get them through it, because without God they couldn't do it. They would consecrate themselves, rewash themselves to prepare themselves for the work of the Lord because he was going to do amazing things among them the next day. They would then watch to see the Lord's movement so they could know where to go. They would be looking for where he was working and where he was going. But then ultimately, all of that has to get put into action. They actually had to cross the Jordan themselves as well. They, they, They couldn't just watch the priests carry the ark and then kind of get teleported to the other side. They would actually have to step into the dry riverbed in faith. And, and listen, I, I, I believe that there were some that as soon as the waters parted, they took off sprinting, right? They were like, let's, let's, this is a, this is a new thing, right? Again, we, we consecrate ourselves because God is going to do a new thing among us. The great news is while people in the Old Testament struggled with new things and change, people in church don't struggle with change anymore. We're going to keep going. Um, here's what I'm getting at. Don't worry. Don't worry. If you're like, yeah, people need to change, I'm about to offend you also. Just give me time. So, so some people were like, new thing, parted river, let's go, woo, right? And some people were standing on the banks of the Jordan saying that wall of water could crash down at any moment. I'm not real sure I want to be in the middle of it. This side of the Jordan looks pretty good. What if this is the promised land? But I love verse 17 because it says that the entire nation of Israel went across. So, listen, if you are in more of the camp that all change is bad, understand God is always doing a new thing, right? He, he's, he, he's accomplishing the same purposes, but the Bible gives us example time and time again. He's doing a new thing. Flip side is, if you're like, I don't know why people don't want to change. We got to, it's new, and that's what God's doing. And, you know, if they won't come, leave them behind. It's called the body of Christ, and the whole body's got to get going. And if you're, if you're ready to run across the river, maybe you need to pick someone up and piggyback them across. But the text is clear, and I love it, that the entire nation went from one side to the other. And you know how they got there? They simply walked. They walked across the riverbed, seeking and trusting the Lord to be who He said He would be all along. Now, don't miss this. Those priests, they had to pick up the ark and they had to get into the river. Not the dry riverbed, they had to get into the river. And sometimes today, you and I were going to be called to be those priests. We're going to be called to pick up the ark and to step into the water before it ever parts. And it may not be what you want to do, and it's going to require faith. That's going to be when God is unfolding those fingers one at a time. And you don't know what's exactly in the palm. But as we said week one, trusting God is simply the ability to remember his past faithfulness. You don't have to see the rest if you know what this is, right? He's already done this once, and it was good. You don't have to see the rest of this hand to know it's still going to be good. And sometimes the grace of God will give us the privilege to be a priest carrying the ark and say, what well, what are you getting at? I'm being symbolic, but this is what I'm saying. The Lord will call you to carry the ark in front because he's going to call other people to look towards you. And let me just say, that's why we've got to be so careful because a, a, a watching world is looking to see what we're doing. A watching world is looking to see what we are doing and 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 you never, you never, know who's watching. It, listen, l- it, it could be as simple as the way you handle the annoyances of everyday life. You're in line at HEB. Uh, listen, I have I have a supernatural gift to pick the absolute worst line at HEB. <laughs> I'll be like, that line has eight people and this one has one, <laughs> and they have an empty basket. This is the line I should go in. Boop, flashing light, you know. Laying clothes, like, ah. Now the line has 38 people, right? And so how I respond when I finally get to the cashier, it, you know, listen, when <laughs> this is maybe, maybe I'm t- telling too many of my family secrets here, but with four kids and hectic schedules, we we, probably, uh, we, we try to eat together, and sometimes eating together means we're going to eat out. And so we are connoisseurs of the eating out world. If you need tips, let me know. I can tell you all the good and bad. When you eat out as often as we do, you get some orders wrong. Hear me. I'm not saying that you can't ask to get the right order. But the tone with which we communicate, listen, I'm just saying. And so it can be be as what we think as simple as everyday annoyances. And then just in my personal life, I use, or it could be as weighty as the call to parents. Because when I'm in line at H-E-B or when I'm at the restaurant or when I'm in the car and the driver in front of me doesn't even know what I'm saying about him. (laughs) When I'm sitting next to the dad at the game and I want to complain about the rep. Here's here's the deal. What I know is that it's not just those people, but I've got four little people. And they mimic real well. How... How are we doing when the Lord is calling us to carry the ark into the river so that others can look? And where are we leading people? Sometimes, sometimes in life, you're not going to be called to be the priest. You're going to be called to look. You're going to be called to look to that person who's further along in the faith, that community group leader, that, that, that children's Sunday school teacher, that youth leader, that, that, that friend, that family member who's walked in the faith longer. And you're going to be called, as Paul would say, to follow them as they follow Christ. It's not actually them. It's Christ. So sometimes we walk because in our walking, the Lord's telling others to look towards us. And sometimes we walk and the Lord's saying, look towards that person. You may or may not always know which one you're doing. Probably many times you're doing both at the same time. We say it this way to use the New Testament relationships of Paul and Timothy. I hope you always have a Paul. If you don't know the story, what that means is you got someone who's pouring into your life. And I hope you always got a Timothy also that you're pouring into someone's life this is just me, my commentary. I believe the moment you get Jesus, you need someone pouring into you. And the moment you get Jesus, you need to pour into someone else. And so the question is, how are we doing when we're asked to wait? Are we practicing a life that was washing ourselves the water of the word? Are we doing the necessary work? No one else can do it. And what other people do is not a matter of how we consecrate ourselves. Are we watching for the Lord's hand? Are we watching to see where he's moving? And then when it is time to go, are we ready to walk? Beloved, I promise you the Lord is doing amazing things. I, I, I know John chapter 10 verse 10 that he has plans for you of a life that is to the fullest. And when you don't see it, it's just because maybe all the fingers haven't unrolled yet. But it doesn't mean it's not what he has for you. And God is wanting you to move and step with him. I want you to move and step with him. He is going to bless your life. It may not be the blessing that you think it is. Well, let me just say this, by the way. We have to be careful when we look at these types of stories, because God took them to the banks of the Jordan, and he said, he said, get out there, priests, and the waters miraculously parted, and so we celebrate what happens in the story, and we believe that God can do it all the time, but that doesn't mean he does. Hear me today, because this may be your story, and you need this encouragement. You may get to the banks of the river of life, and it is raging, it is a torrent, and you more than anything would love for God to part the waters, but he tells you to step out, and you're not walking on dry land, you're trying to gasp gasp for air every time you get just a little bit further into it, and you may cross the entire river raging, and it may take you downstream, because that side of the river is where God wants you anyways. We don't worship God because we always get to walk on the dry riverbed. We worship God because he's the only one that can get us through it no matter how he gets us there. Whether it's the dry riverbed or we are just coming up for air every chance we get because he's always the one that's providing the air anyways. Sometimes you walk through the dry riverbed and sometimes you walk through the valley of shadows. What matters, what matters is that he's the one who's with you. So my question today is, is, is how are you waiting today? Is that where you're at? Are you in a season where God's calling you to wait? Are you wanting to move? Are you ready for the next step, but but maybe your faith hasn't been deepened to where the Lord wants you to go yet? Have all the instructions not yet been revealed, and if you went today, you you would act with incomplete instruction? How many conversations have you and I had that if we just would let the night bring counsel would have been a much better conversation? Again, repeat myself. are, Are you washing yourselves with the Water of the word. Are you getting into the word of God? You're like, Chris, I don't even know where to start. Well, then talk to somebody today. Great news. Next week, May 15th, we, we launch our second edition of Pathways. And if you don't know what Pathways is, go to our website, get familiar with it. Pathways is going to be our backbone for how all these people that are being converted become discipled. We celebrate God is drawing people to himself and they're receiving salvation. And now while we cannot force anyone to go deeper, we can take them to the depths and see how they respond. And so maybe for you, Pathways is a class. It's a six-week class, Foundations of the Faith. Maybe you want to talk to Esau about maybe if you could become a part of of the teaching of that class. Or you want information on how you can serve in that way. But Pathways is going to get started back up here. In the next few months, we'll have a different version of Pathways that will be more of a one-on-one discipleship and going through a book of the Bible. Be listening for that information. Start a community group. Join a community group. Find a place to practice the consecration, the washing. Be watching where the Lord is moving because he is and then simply step out in faith. What is it you need to step out in faith with? Maybe God's called you to be generous with your resources. And it seems overwhelming to give a portion of your, of your income, a tenth, a tithe. How, how can you pay the bills and do that? 9 a.m. we celebrated a baptism. Listen to me. I believe today there are people in this room and online and you have given your life to Jesus. The question of newness of life is not a question for you. But for some reason or another you have not yet chosen to be baptized. Remember the illustration that sometimes you're going to be the priest carrying the ark and people are going to look to you? I don't want to put pressure on you. You need to get baptized because you want to. But what if your baptism is going to be the visible ark in the river that someone else needs to see, maybe to get baptized themselves, maybe to actually respond to the call of salvation? You never know what your act of obedience will do in somebody else's heart. And so, and listen, I know there's questions about, well, when should I get baptized? And, and I'm not trying to be negative. Some churches say that you get saved and you go through an eight-week class. That, that's all well and good. I, I'm personally studying the book of Acts in my own quiet times right now. And it seems like almost like every third chapter in Acts, someone gets saved and then they get baptized. Like, boom, boom. So for BT Church, what do you need to do to get baptized? You need to know Jesus. If you can articulate a relationship with Jesus, you're ready. Doesn't mean you got it all figured out. Doesn't mean that you, you know, have Reach the depths of Christian maturity, which we're always actually striving towards. But maybe your, your walking will be responding. Guess what? We've got t shirts, we've got shorts, we've got water, it's even warm. We got time. Nick did it once. I think he'll do it again today. In just a moment, if you're in this room, you can come forward and you can just tell somebody, hey, I want to get baptized, and we'll baptize you. If you're watching online, message us, let us know, put it in the chat feed. We'll find a way to celebrate your baptism. What is your next? But ultimately, hear me, ultimately what, what maybe someone in this room or online, what you need to understand is that when it comes to moving with God, the evidence of his grace is God is always the one to take the first move. No, no, no one seeks God on their own. The Bible teaches us that he draws men and women to himself. And then as he draws, we, we, we have to respond. And maybe today, someone in this room or someone online, you've got some religious knowledge, you've got some some head game about church, but you don't know if you've got a relationship with Jesus. You, you don't know if not just your today, but your tomorrow and your eternity is secured in him. Listen to me. I know this is unpopular in today's culture, but without Jesus, it's not just today and tomorrow that that's in question. It's your eternity. It's your eternity. And without Jesus as a source of salvation, your eternity is apart from him forever. But with Jesus, your eternity is with him well, how do i know that he'll take me because god so loved the world he gave his only son so that here at bt we take the bible at its word romans ten nine: that if anyone would believe in their heart confess with their mouth that jesus christ is lord and god raised him from the dead they would be saved and i'm asking you beloved have you let have you responded to the move of god towards you don't worry about the next if you don't got jesus now And if you're in this room or you're online and and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, we want to give you the opportunity to respond today. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to have some instructions on how we can take some next steps. Let's pray together. Father, I pray you would move in this place today. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts and you would provide clarity of next steps that should be taken. Father, I pray that you would strengthen faith, you would restore hope that's been lost. God, I pray today that you would draw men and women children to yourself in this room and online hearts would be sensitive that god as you move towards those that are far from you they would respond in faith and that today would be the day of salvation father i pray today that a powerful work is done right here that we would be able to watch and see amazing things and we pray this in jesus name amen here in the room, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of worship, and maybe today you have something in your life, a burden, that you just need prayer for. I want you to know we'll have ministers up here at the front to pray over you, and you can come forward and ask God to move on your behalf. Again, if you'd like to be baptized today, you you can actually, you just need to walk out that door right there and go to our info center and tell someone you want to get baptized, and we'll start the process. But today, if you haven't responded to the movement of God towards you by receiving Jesus by grace through faith, and today that's your decision. So I want to ask you in the room just to bow your head and close your eyes. And today, if that's your decision to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer with me. What I want you to know is that the prayer is not a magic formula. Please do not mindlessly recite words hoping somehow you accomplish something. But if you know that without Jesus, you're hopeless. If you know you feel on the inside, something's just not right. If you know you need an answer and that answer hasn't been found in this world, then Jesus is the answer you're searching for. And by praying this prayer, you're not reciting a magic formula. You're confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for your sins and God raised him from the dead. So if that's you today, you wanna make that decision, would you just pray this prayer with me right where you are? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I'm far from you. But I believe you made a way for me to be made whole. I believe you sent your son Jesus to come to the earth and to die on the cross and pay for sin. And I believe three days later he rose again. I believe his death paid for sin and I believe his resurrection defeated it. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you into my heart today. I'm trusting you with my life, and I'm receiving you as my Savior. I want to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for loving me first. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.